Well, welcome to the One Thing Podcast, where we all get to practice dancing with the one thing that individuals, communities, and countries have yet to try. Yeah, and in this episode, we are going to be talking about the anatomy of a separated mind. We'll talk about its structure and its impacts and what the one thing has to do with this. Yeah, and in the beginning, you know, we decided in the beginning, not the beginning of this episode, but in the beginning <laughs> of all of this on Earth, our framing our perspective, and we're not alone in this perspective, this is a metaphysical perspective, is that we decided collectively, humanity decided collectively, that we could operate apart from the source of life. And again, that's whatever term you use for that. We've talked about that in virtually every episode so far. Source, God, spirit, higher self, the universe, the wisdom of nature, whatever it is for you. Uh, so uh, our perspective, again, is that in the beginning, we decided that we could operate apart from the source of life. And that was the beginning of the separation. Some people call this the fall. Right. And so what this choice to operate separately has set up for us as human beings is a disconnection between our human mind, we're going to refer to that as the lower human ego, our heart and our spirit or our higher self or our greater presence or the great spirit or source, whatever word you use. So in, you know, again, the, the lower human mind and the heart. So the lower human mind disconnected from source and the heart, which I like to refer to, and I think David does too, as a portal to... Uh, our, our higher self. You know, when we are in nature and we see something beautiful, it affects us at our heart level. We don't, it's not only intellectual, uh, it's not only an intellectual experience. So um, the source of life, oh wait, let me just look at my notes here. Right, okay, so in saying all of this, we're well aware that the real purpose of our heads is to serve spirit and that some people uh, think that they're coming from their heart when they're, they might be partially coming from their heart, but it's not actually a, a full connection where their mind is serving their heart in connection with the source of life. There's a quote, I, I, I meant to look that up. It was an Einstein quote where it was basically saying, you know, um, a human being is designed for the heart to serve, to the head to serve the heart and we've got it backwards. And so, you know, as a result, we suffer <laughs> is the bottom line. So, yeah. And, uh, and especially for those of you who are listening to this or watching this, who are thinking about the ways in which the heart can be hijacked, we want you to know we're quite aware that the heart can be hijacked, but we want to make sure you understand that what we're talking about is the high heart. We're talking about the 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 real heart, the the spiritual heart, not the not the ways that heart gets hijacked into entitlement and fragility, you know, emotional fragility and stuff like that. That's not what we're talking about in this episode. Yeah, and it, it's probably uh, wise for us to also put forth that 
inside of that high heart that David is talking about is a is a spark. You know, I refer to it as the design, excuse me, the divine spark of life. And that that spark can never go out. So, and every single human being has it. And it might be easy to say, well, I don't really see a divine spark in that person or that person, you know, and, and it's true. I mean, we can, we can, uh, bury or cover over that divine spark so it's virtually, you know, dark. Um, but for most of us who are really good people who are trying to sort of grow that spark, you know, that's what we're about here. That's what the one thing is devoted to is 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 creating a greater um, capacity to access and then increase that divine spark. And that that you have and I have and David, everybody has that um, hands down. If you're breathing, that's what that that actually is the life force that allows us to breathe and and be active in our days. And you may or may not have thought about it that way, but um, that's really what the teachings reveal. Right. We can we can run from our divine heart, but we can't hide. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. We can try to throw cloaks over it, cloaks of suffering and density and pain and emotional turmoil, but it will still blaze through. <laughs> or to paraphrase uh, an old saying about emotions, that emotions are never buried dead, they're always buried alive. The high heart, if we try to bury it, is always buried alive. It can't be buried dead. Good, good one. Yeah, I love yeah. that. So only the lower human head thinks in duality, as Lori was, was alluding to earlier. Only the higher human heart operates in non-duality. Yeah, and, and the reason we find this to be important and wanted to have this discussion is that for e as eons of time has have passed, and so in all of recorded human history, um, we we have mastered the this division. We have mastered the duality between our head and our heart, and. <clears throat> You know, I'm not so so sure that's the best thing to be proud of. <laughs> um, being masterful at division, <laughs> but for whatever reason, and we we know it's because of this choice to operate in a you know in this capacity of being separate from the source of life. It sets up this this groundwork for division and duality, and and. It has been helpful for a period of time to understand contrast, and if we don't have the opposite, we you know of one thing, we don't know how to understand the other part of it. But we're moving into a a, um, a realm of human consciousness where duality is less needed, and the non-duality is required for solutions to come forward, so that we can uh, up-level systems and create a, a more serving collective experience in human form. Yeah, and so just to be really clear, especially for some of us men that may not fully get this, uh, because many, many men, and some women as well, very much value their heads. And we're not trying to say the head is a bad thing. What we're trying to point out is that the head, the head our heads are meant to be in service to our high hearts. And when, when there's connection between our divine heart and our head, then our head is an asset. It's not a liability. 
So I just want to make sure that there's no one listening or watching um, that is wondering whether we're saying, oh, disregard your head. No, no, not at all. Right, right. Oh, there was something I was going to say on that. And it just jumped, jumped out of my mind. Yeah, I, you know, especially in a Western world, we have very developed intellects and thinking capacities and analytical capacities. And, you know, just like what David was saying, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's, oh, this is the thing. Oh, I'm so glad it came back. One of my favorite things to reveal <laughs> to people that I work with is that if our head knew how to heal us, if our head had the solutions to our problems, at, you know, individually, community-wise, and then in the broader scope uh, of, of our collective, if our head had those answers and if, she, and if, if he or she knew how to do it, they we would have done it by now. The problem is, is that it's so limited, that bandwidth of understanding and, uh, and possibilities and uh, creating new realities, it, it doesn't exist in the head alone, but it does exist with this well-developed intellect that we have been developing over, you know, since the fall. Uh, it, it, it exists within that. And then when we include our heart, game over. That's, that's yeah. how I like to see it. Yeah. You know, when the, you may have also heard the cliche about our best thinking has gotten us into this mess, right? Mm -hmm. And what that really to Lori and me, I think I can speak for both of us on this, means is that our best thinking in a separated state, our best thinking <clears throat> when our thinking is separated from our high heart, that's what gets us into the mess that we're in. Um, right. And then we need things like projection to help us see what we're doing. So David, do you want to talk about that? Yes, I, I do. So when when we're disconnected from our high heart or when we're connected with our high heart but we are not we don't have that connection between our our heart and our head this is to us what sets up the dynamic of fear this is the this is how fear gets generated is through that disconnection and when we're disconnected and in fear, and we are disowning our fear, that leads to projection. In order to keep our fear disowned, what we have to do is see out in the world, out in other people, out in external situations, uh, or sometimes we attack our body, our physical body as well. Um, we project outward uh, this this disconnection and we see war and suffering and and horrible stuff out there. And don't get me wrong, there's stuff that goes on out in the world that I'm not at all happy with. But the over focus on that as a hiding strategy from from attending to the disconnection inside me, that's a huge problem, a huge problem. And a lot of do-gooders, me, and I mean that in the positive sense. A lot of people who are authentically dedicated to doing good out in the world have forgotten this. And so the, those particular people doing good out in the world, they're projecting outward in such a way that they believe they can't be okay. <clears throat> they can't be at peace. They can't feel joy and love and heart connection until something out there 
changes first. And that is a the ego's version, the ego's anatomy of suffering. That's the ego's version of staying trapped in being a victim. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll never see external happenings in the world up level for better, you know, for in better ways until we do that inner work of bringing our own divisions uh, to rest, right? Bringing our dualities to, uh, to non-duality through our heart. And, you know, this is what David was saying, that people miss this point, even really, really good hearted people. And sometimes I've, I've said in the past that we could start a dozen nonprofits, all for like the best reasons and the, and the most, um, you know, what's that noble word? Noble causes. Noble. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Noble causes. But if we're ignoring this piece, it will be limited in its effect. And as an individual, the way we can feel our own divisions is that when we're separated from source, we feel abandoned. We feel, David already mentioned fear. We might feel like we're not enough. I mean, can you imagine if we're operating as a small little segment of this grander uh, anatomy of who we really are, of course we're gonna feel abandoned if we're separate from it. And of course we're gonna feel like not enough if we're this compared to like, you know, this. <laughs> We're definitely going to feel like not enough. And that's where competition and comparisonitis and feeling unlovable and unworthy and undeserving of the good and the wholeness and, you know, the abundance and the expression and the love that we're, we're actually coded for. Like the, that, those things, having health and expression and abundance of love and love are coded in ourselves. It's our birthright. And we won't find our way to those things in our divided self. Yes. Bridge that gap. And taking that now even a step beyond that, when we are divided, when we're separated inside ourselves, when there's a separation between who I think I am and my connection with higher love, higher wisdom, et cetera, et cetera, we're at war internally. Yeah. That's, that's the war that, that ends up raging inside us. And when, we're, when so many of us are at war inside ourselves, why should we be surprised that wars are going on outside ourselves as within so without do the math in internal war times seven billion needing to be projected will look like war <laughs> yeah absolutely so i think you want to talk next about the myth huh do i uh okay oh yeah <laughs> Thank you for prompting me. <laughs> so no worries there. You know, one of the things a human mind will do is attempt to fix this problem at levels in which the problem cannot be fixed. So we'll say things to ourselves like, well, we need better policies and we need better politicians. And maybe we even need a new party um, or maybe we need um what were the other ways I was thinking about that? Uh, yeah, we maybe we just need to learn tolerance, you know, for all the isms that we have. And 
not that those things are bad. They're not. It's just that we're trying to uh, sort of convey that the level of the healing or the the level of the reconnection that we need doesn't exist by getting better politicians or by um, having better tolerance. We've already tried all those things. We've tried it since the beginning of time. And again, if those things would have worked, if those things were capable of working, they would have worked by now. Yeah. And what you're pointing out, which I think is so important, is that the issue here is a sequencing issue. We've got things reversed. Yeah. We think that the outer situation changing is going to change us inside. And that's the exact opposite of the sequencing that actually works from a spiritual perspective. It's my inner peace that then equips me and empowers me to express outwardly, extend outwardly that peace and well-being out into the world, out into how we work to elevate politics and uh, and yeah. repair divisiveness in society and heal all of the isms and sanity and stuff like that. Yeah. So there's just no getting around the inner work being the starting place, not necessarily the ending place. Yes, that's such a good point. And, you know, oh, there's something I was going to say about that, too. It's, um, well, go on and we'll, I'll see if I remember it. <laughs> Gloria and I are, are halfway through a 15-day a cleanse. and yeah, <laughs> so, We can tell you that, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> we're a little loopy. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. So the, what, what we also want to convey about outer divisiveness is that we we view its purpose as that of attempting to get our attention to finally deal with our inner division right. so instead of ignoring we're not advocating sticking our heads in the sand and pretending that outer problems don't exist and or pretending that, that they don't need to be repaired what we're what we're saying instead is that the outer things that are upsetting to us are calling us first to do inner repair so that we're equipped to be more effective with outer repair from there. Exactly. So outer division's purpose is to get our attention to finally deal with our inner division so we can at last reunite our head and our heart inwardly in order to become capable of co-creating heaven on earth outwardly, which is, as you've heard in prior episodes, that's what Lori and I are all about. I mean, this is the, for us, the, the ultimate healing for humans, both individually and for humanity as a whole. It's true. And that beautifully put, and that this takes what, what we're proposing here, we realize is a courageous and revolutionary choice. And for anybody who feels like they want to be part of impacting the world in a good way, this is the choice. This is the best choice. And so the suggestion is, uh, you mentioned it, David, where, um, it, you know, if, if things are un, unpeaceful, not peaceful, anxious and stressful on the outside, it is a it, it is courage and a revolutionary act for you to just say, 
I don't mean just in such a flippant way, but for you to say, I am going to do this and I'm going to do it as long as I need to do it so that I have a peaceful center cultivated. So from that place, from that foundational strength in full connection with life herself, who has all the answers we need, I will offer my contributions. I will do my work from that place. I will speak from that place. I will write or do all the things that you do uh, going about your day. And if we leave that out, we just keep churning the same old tired and not working energy. Yes. And to tie this in with something we've said at least once in prior episodes, maybe more than once, just as the, the timeless saying of as above, so below mm -hmm. is true. The same thing is true with the saying as within, so without. Yes. And that is that that set of phrases is really the formula, you know, as above, so below as as we are in a in a separate in a non separated state. That is what we are called to manifest in this world. If we're in a separated state, we'll manifest separation inside ourselves. As above, so below. As within, so without. As we come back into a state of connection, we bring that connectedness out into how we do problem solving out in the world. It's true. And you might be thinking something like, well, that's all fine and good, but what do I do in the moment when my mind is be in a highly self-critical or self-judgmental state? And that's the best question, actually, because that is exactly the moment when you, if you're present enough and you could notice that you're, you're being highly critical of yourself, let's say, for pick a subject. I mean, we, this, is, this is actually the way a lower human egoic mind keeps us trapped and, and, and snared and shackled to not finding our way to connection, right? So anyway, the, the, the choice point in the moment when you notice self-criticism is, is to ask and to connect to your higher self, to the, your higher presence, to be shown what's true. Because if we think about it, if we just do a, like a reverse engineering thing, and I think we did this either last time or the time before, if it's true that we are the source, we are an extension of the source of life and the source of life is already whole and there's no question of its value or worth or that it's enough or, you know, like that, and we are that extension, then by, by that extension, we too are that. So when we have self-critical thoughts or self-judgmental thoughts, those we are having, those are error, that's error thinking, right? That's false belief thinking that is from some patterning and we don't even have to track it all the way back. We just have to give it up. And we do the same thing. It starts in ourselves and then we project and criticize and judge externally as well. This is what sets up division in the larger collective. Yes. And we're getting close to our punchline and takeaway. I think there are just a couple of things we want to reiterate or, or illuminate first. One is that when more people than not are reconnected inwardly, the level at which these issues outwardly uh, are so disproportionately problematic in society, the, the level at which that's happening will dissolve at the root cause level. Because again, about that principle of projection as within, so without, when we're reconnected, the more of us who are reconnected inwardly, the more we will see 
problems in society dissolve because we're dealing finally with root cause. Uh, there, there are so many good-hearted people trying to fix our problems outwardly before, like we said earlier, before they have fixed their root causes inwardly, and that's just simply backwards. It's reverse ordering. Both are important. We got to get the sequence in the right order. Exactly. And it's sometimes overwhelming for a mind to think, oh my God, I have so many issues and so many things to fix, but there's one inner cause and it's what we've been talking about. And it's the one thing that we're inviting you because this is our choice, which is to, we're committed and we're, we're aiming for progress, not perfection, but we're committed to honoring this connection every moment of every day so that our words and our actions are coming from the connected place more often than not. And we would love for you to join us. If, if that was our sole focus, each of us who are committed, uh, rapid change would be noticed. Yes. So the one inner cause to fix is disconnection from the one thing. Right. <laughs> from the source of life, which is the one thing we haven't tried yet. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And the other thing to know about this is that, you know, a lot of people worry about, well, you know, that, is that really going to do the job? You know, there's so much, there's so many people who do bad things. And, but here's what we know. And science knows this too, that when we're connected to the source of life, we make high-minded choices. We make choices that are in reverence to ourselves and all of life. We're, we're more of a, we're more kind than not, right? So it's, it's the disconnection that causes um, untoward choices against self and others. Yes. So, uh, and that's, go ahead, honey. No, no, you go. Oh, that's, that's, uh, you know, the, the more of us who do what Lori and I are talking about with you today, the more impactful to the world as a collective we can be. And that's why we're inviting you so passionately to join us in making this shift. Yes. Is there <laughs> anything else you want to add before I do a teaser about the next episode? I guess I would just say if you have any questions or thoughts about this, be, be sure to jump onto our Facebook page because we know that these topics, I mean, we're, we're taking a sliver of time to talk about big topics. And so whatever it is that comes up for you, what pops for you, you know, we, we would love to know. So, you know, jump over to our Facebook group and um, uh, it's, it's what, what is it, honey? It's the Facebook, Facebook page yeah. is The One Thing the one Podcast. Thing. The One Thing Podcast. Okay, good. So facebook.com slash The One Thing Podcast. Is there a dash in there? I don't know. No, okay. there's no dash. Okay, good. I think we're, that's all I had awesome. to say. Yeah. <laughs> so that leads us to a little teaser about what we're going to do in the next episode that builds on top of all of what we've discussed so far in this episode and in the prior episodes, which is we're going to be going into what we call the impulse of life and what it means to make decisions that move us forward rather than backward. Nice. So until next time, remember to dance with your better half. 